Hi, and welcome to the wonderful world of Disney Villains Podcast. I'm your host, Katie, ready to talk about everything Disney. So I got a new microphone. I'm very excited. And I guess if you didn't know, in the past few episodes, or the first two episodes, I did not have a microphone. It was just my iPhone. There's still some background noises, and I do realize that it ne- it's never going to be perfect. I'm never going to get a quiet place in the house to um, do this podcast when I have two dogs and a baby. And so we're just going to live with what it is. That being said, this episode is going to be about the Aladdin TV show. And if you didn't know, there was an Aladdin TV show that um, aired on Toon Disney back in the 90s for at least 80 episodes. So it was quite, it was, it was running for quite a while. And I grew up watching this. Um, this TV series is technically not available to watch, at least in the United States unless you're looking at different clips or um, I guess like pirated or other versions on streaming platforms. Um, I guess I shouldn't say them so they're not outed. Um, you can, I guess there's also like the Disney Enchanted Tales series if you know about that. It's like different, different stories about Disney princesses. And so for Princess Jasmine, some of the Aladdin episodes are in that. I don't know if it's in a DVD format, it might still only be in a VHS format, but that would be another way to watch it. So everything I'm going to say about this TV show is just based on my memory. So bear with me. But I do remember quite a lot. I watched this at least a million and one times, probably. Um, It was literally the only thing I watched day and night. That being said, I do want to talk about what I love, what I remember, and about what I love about this show, and also I want to talk about the villains in this series that were really memorable to me and that stuck with me, both in ways that maybe I was afraid or traumatized, but also in ways that I thought were really interesting or different about villains. And, you know, this is a villains podcast, so I kind of have to talk about it, but I'm also um, really excited to talk about it as well. So let's get started. Um, There were a lot of things I really liked about the TV show, mostly being the way that the characters from the movie Aladdin were portrayed in the series. And also there were other things like seeing Aladdin and everybody else in a snow-capped mountain, for instance, wearing, you know, I would say for the 90s, very modern day winter wear, uh, the puffy jackets and all that, or um, seeing you know, how they do underwater or seeing how they do in all these different um, aspects. Like there was even a time traveling one where they went back in time, um, Abismal and Abnormal, I think his name was, who is Abismal's ancestor or grandfather or other, um, went back in time, basically prevented the Sultan's ancestor and Princess Jasmine's ancestor from ever becoming royalty and becoming the people who founded Agrabah, which thus um, changed who was royalty, also kind of erased Princess Jasmine from existence. And so it kind of showed like Aladdin trying to, Aladdin genie, I should say, trying to um, fix the timeline. And also throughout that, there was like this giant timeline battle where like all of a sudden, they were in knight's armor or you know they were flipping burgers 
or there was one with Aladdin had Elvis Presley hair and the guitar and everything. So, but they're all like battling and time is just changing rapidly throughout the decades. So, you know, things like that were really interesting to see. Not that you necessarily had to see them or that it was anywhere related to that world of Agrabah and and everything that it possesses, but it was just kind of, I thought it was interesting. And it's kind of nice to see what happens beyond Happily Ever After. Another thing I really liked was the story arc for, I I mean, I could argue both Genie and Iago, but I would argue mostly Iago because in the, in the movie Aladdin, Iago is what I would call the unappreciated villain sidekick. And then the TV show kind of changed, well, the sequel, The Return of Jafar changed that from villain sidekick to I would say anti-hero and then the tv show was very much validating the anti-hero concept and story arc for Iago and I guess if you haven't seen the return of Jafar so the return of Jafar is basically well first of all it's a sequel to the movie Aladdin Uh, the genie comes back from his vacation traveling the world Uh, Iago is able to get out of the lamp Um, and is supposedly uh, meant to help Jafar, but in the end actually just abandons him. And so Abbas Maul, the villain I just previously mentioned, finds the lamp and gets three wishes from Jafar, and Jafar kind of manipulates the wishes a little bit to his preference, I would say. And then the two of them um, hash out this plan, and by two of them I really mean Jafar, and Abbas Maul is just kind of the the one carrying him so to speak and they go through this plan to basically get revenge on Aladdin because Aladdin also took all the gold from Abbas Maul at the beginning of the movie and so they both have different reasons to get revenge on Aladdin and then I would say the movie is kind of more about um what it means to be a genie and what are I guess the rules and boundaries of being a genie like I'm pretty sure Jafar wants to kill Aladdin but genie does say that genies cannot kill so it's more Jafar looking at what are what are the things that are worse than death and how can I inflict that on Aladdin and I mentioned this because technically Iago is a part of this plan and is kind of like the key factor in completing this plan and Iago has a lot of internal conflict I would say throughout the movie with whose side he actually wants to be on versus whose side he is assumed and supposed to be on and part of that was at the beginning um, where or when Iago I would say accidentally saves Aladdin and Abu from Abbas Maul and his men um, just because they were also after him and so he was kind of trying to defend himself and in doing so also um, helped out Aladdin and Abu and so Aladdin was super grateful, Abu not so much and uh, Aladdin decided to stick up for him and you know saw the good in him and Iago did mention you know no one's ever stuck up for me like this um, especially in front of you know Jasmine and Sultan and no one's looked out for me and um, kind of starts to grow a heart from there 
I mean, not literally grow a heart, but I hope you know what I meant. And it kind of continues throughout the TV show, which is what I really liked about partly why I really like the TV show is um, you get to see that continued growth in Iago. You get to see all his most of his morals and values changing over time just by being around Aladdin and Genie and all the others. Um, he still has his anti-hero moments where, you know, he's always stri- um, looking out for the gold and the wanting to eat the grapes in a fancy palace on the fancy pillow and wanting to live that luxurious lifestyle. But, you know, you do see him kind of go like, oh, okay, I guess I'll help. When I would assume before in the Aladdin movie, he, you know, wouldn't, could care less. Um, Iago also has a girlfriend in the TV show, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, here's this, you know, character who is very comedic and is kind of given that, you know, funny, sarcastic friend vibe. And he is dating, you know, the most powerful and most beautiful bird in the rainforest. So I always thought that dynamic was really interesting. And now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of mirrors Aladdin and Jasmine's relationship in certain ways, where she is this high and mighty queen. And he, uh, I, I mean, I would consider, you know, to be kind of like the average bird. Very similar to, you know, Jasmine being a princess and Aladdin being, you know, the average guy, the average citizen. Um, very different personalities, though, of course. But um, it is interesting. I think she also has, like, a really nice accent. And, yeah, there's all these things. And she has a rainbow, a rainbow tail. And everywhere she goes, she, like spouts a rainbow out of her tail or something like that i remember something like that happening um and he also has his own villain the uh malcho is this giant um i don't know if he's like a dragon or a lizard or something but he's really big and iago defeats him twice um and malcho is always after iago not aladdin but I think people assume that he's after Aladdin because Aladdin's kind of like the main protagonist and all the villains are kind of going after him because he's the one who kind of saves Agrabah over and over again. Um, so it is interesting and, and this is a podcast about villains. And if you listen to episode two, which is Disney villains are relatable, Iago definitely fits into that story or that arc of characters and that uh, trope of characters I should say so yeah definitely had to mention that first um there's other things too I guess I can mention uh I mean partly why I included Jeannie in the in the story arc um development as well is he also has certain growths but I don't not I guess not in a way that I personally appreciated and liked I kind of just thought Jeannie was like the silly clumsy friend where and i'll give you an example um there was a particular episode where they were running carpet wasn't there to like you know sweep them off their feet and you know they were like genie can you turn into what was it like a bird or something that can run really fast or that can fly or you know whatever and at first genie turns into a penguin doesn't really move very fast doesn't fly i think he also turned into a chicken i can't remember but it's like you know not really helpful can't fly and then he turned into an emu, which is like, you know, that's better. They can run pretty fast. Maybe it was an ostrich. I can't remember. And then 
and again sorry i'm going this is all going off of just my memory this from watching it over and over every morning for like a year and a half um and then oh and then he they were like you know instead maybe instead of flying can you turn into something that has legs and can run so he turned into a giant table <laughs> still worked though um but yeah just things like that where not always using the smartest part of his brain i do feel like genie is pretty smart but i don't think the tv show really showed it and maybe it was just because the tv shows for kids and aladdin and jasmine are pretty serious characters so you have to have you know comedic characters as well to kind of keep the engagement and keep you know the audience viewing it i don't know and iago's kind of more of the sassy friend so maybe having genie be more like the comedy fun friend is yeah i don't know how that's all that works but that's just by assumption genie also has a girlfriend um in this very heteronormative land and society um i really like his girlfriend though eden um she's a genie in the bottle i think she's very funny and she does all the impressions just like genie does and her master is a little girl named Dondi, and Dondi's very cute because Dondi just wants to be with Eden forever and that ends up being her third wish. Um, so until Dondi dies, Eden has to stay with Dondi. And the nice part is Dondi lives in Agrabah so it's not like they're very far away from each other. Um, so I always thought that relationship was cute but I also thought it was interesting that this TV show has a lot of genie hunting where there's all these people who are hunting genies for... A career for personal investment whatever it may be and so she usually shows up when they're being hunted not necessarily like a great time but I mean it makes sense when you have two genies in Agrabah um, I don't know how people know that but I guess word must go around um, so I do like her I just don't like that she is usually suffering in the episodes that she is partaking in so I'll leave it at that um, I would say another thing is I really fell in love with Aladdin and Jasmine as a couple through this TV show. There's a lot of this like, f um, so I guess to, to backtrack, Aladdin and Jasmine in the TV show are engaged. They're not married yet. Um, so the, their relationship is they meet in the movie Aladdin, they start dating in the movie Aladdin. The magic carpet ride is, is essentially like their first date. And then in the Return of Jafar, they're still dating. Um, the TV show comes after that, so they're engaged. They don't really show a proposal. Maybe they've been engaged the whole time. I don't know. And then the last sequel, which is Aladdin and the King of Thieves, is when they get married. So technically speaking you do have this time frame of maybe like a few years where they're just dating and they're engaged which is a bit more realistic but you don't really get those de definitive um timetables and anniversaries and whatnot not that you should i mean it's a it's a movie we're not supposed to know every single detail of their entire life that's not how the story works um but anyway i really liked it there was a lot of dynamics uh, that you got to see that was more realistic than what 
the standard Disney princess trope often did, often did show in the 90s and even the early 2000s. Um, you got to see some of the dates that they went on, which are really cute. You got to see their couple fights. Um, you see Aladdin being jealous. You get to see Jasmine being jealous. You get to see people trying to seduce both of them, um, trying to tear them apart. There are two, I thought it was interesting, there are two female villains who try and seduce Aladdin or kidnap him or whatever so that they can date him. And I thought it was interesting because you don't really see the same thing happen to Jasmine in the sense that a villain is courting her because they want to. There was one villain who was, a, he was essentially dead and... Aladdin put this necklace around Jasmine to give to her not knowing it was cursed and that whoever wore the necklace became this dead man's bride. So it wasn't that he necessarily wanted her, um, the, the dead guy. It was more like whoever wears this necklace I'm marrying so it's a cursed necklace. Um, and she couldn't take it off either. There was like some kind of magic involved with it. I don't, I don't remember why but I mean, and that was technically Aladdin's fault. Not that he knew it was cursed, but so like things like that happened to Jasmine or like there was a prince who was 10 years old, I think. And Jasmine was like the only, only person he connected with and, um, the only one who calmed down his tantrums, I should say, like his anger management, temper tantrums, however you want to define it. Um, so he wanted her to stay forever and... Um, so things like that happen, but they're usually with royalty. And I just thought the date, the, now that I'm thinking about it, I just thought it was really interesting that all the people who liked Aladdin were typically villains and all the people who liked Jasmine were typically already royalty and why that was. And I guess it would be kind of, I don't know. Maybe you would be sexualizing Jasmine too much if a villain was liking her. Although that already happened in the movie Aladdin anyway. She was basically a slave, so I don't know. But I just thought that was interesting. Mosin Rath, um, who's another villain, a young I would say a younger villain, did show interest in Jasmine once. But in that episode, he was in Aladdin's body, as weird as that sounds if you haven't seen it. So the premise of that was Mosenrath was dying and he needed a young body host to continue living. So his his physical body was getting too old, but he wanted to keep living. So he was going to transport his soul into somebody else's body and they would basically just switch. And in the process, something bad happened. So both his soul and Aladdin's soul stayed in Aladdin's body so the two of them were like it's like the host if you've ever seen the Stephanie Myers movie book whatever it's like that um and so two of them were fighting for control over Aladdin's body essentially but nobody knew that and so Mosenrath was like pretending to be Aladdin but he did give a very seductive um gesture or not gesture, he hinted very seductively that he wanted Jasmine as Aladdin, as him. Yeah, 
very confusing. But anyway, like, you don't usually see, I guess I should say, you don't usually see someone trying to woo or seduce Jasmine who didn't look like or wasn't Aladdin. Maybe that's a better term. Although very strange phrase to say. Um, there was one prince who... Oh, another thing was interesting is the inter interracial relationship between um, what's his name, Prince Prince and Kuthma, I think, and Jasmine. So Prince and Kuthma was I thought was really a really fun character, like a, like could be your best friend from a very different land. I think they were I don't want to say Vikings, but there's a kind of there's a kind of like gladiator but like medieval vibe to his people and his land and he was a very big guy very big mustache i remember he's actually in the the aladdin king of thieves he shows up at the wedding and he is actually betrothed to another a woman um in his land but for some reason she starts to fall for aladdin and he you know and jasmine are getting closer so or I'm sorry, Prince and Kuthma and Jasmine are getting closer. So it's kind of like a four-way weird thing. And Jasmine did mention something about like breaking up their engagement to be with him. But I think she was just trying to get him jealous. And I don't, I don't remember. But there was a lot of different things. Um, yeah, so this TV show just touches on a lot of things in general. That and... Oh, one of my favorite episodes in the TV show was um this episode another episode i guess with mosenrath i think mosenrath is one of those villains that i really remembered he was in a lot of episodes and there was this episode where he kidnapped aladdin while they were on a while aladdin and jasmine were on a date together i don't remember if it was an anniversary or not but jasmine was definitely dressed up and basically told jasmine like you go cry or whatever be a girl and go get you know the genie to come save him and she was like uh, you know like f you no i'm gonna go do this myself so she tells genie but then she decides to go with carpet and then genie tags along um to go save aladdin and the part i love about that episode is that aladdin is I would say overly confident that she is going to do exactly what she does. And that's what I really liked about them is when Aladdin is kidnapped and he's just being held hostage. He's like, you know, you got Jasmine upset and angry and you took what she wanted. And so now she's coming after you. And Mazenrath is like, oh, I'm so scared. Blah, blah, blah. A girl's going to come after me. What is she going to do? But, um, and then she ends up being the one and only person who, like essentially kicks his butt and traps him in the thing that he was going to trap genie in uh which i thought was great like you know female empowerment and all that um and i mean there's definitely more of of that now but i just loved how confident he was in her and that she was going to be the one to do it and what her and knowing i guess just super confidently understanding her as a person and what I guess how she thinks what she wants and another um and and that was kind of the relationship that i grew up assuming is that mutual respect 
And also there's there are quite a few episodes with Aladdin and Jasmine sparring each other. Um, whether one of them is is um, pitted against the other or various other reasons. And when it's just the two of them at hand-to-hand combat or with like a stick or some, um, I guess, less destructive weapon like not like a knife or a sword or something but but like with a stick or with something that you can like a bat or other um jasmine is i would say better than aladdin in some respects like she does all the acrobats he does she jumps off buildings just like he does um whenever they go on stealth missions to retrieve things or i would even say steal certain things for like militia reasons or political reasons he usually takes her and sometimes just her and so I really like that dynamic um that was kind of the the assumption I grew up with in terms of how relationships should be um between a man and a woman at least um I yeah I didn't have any ideas about other forms of relationships until later but you know I was only maybe like three years old so this was very early in my life um so those are yeah those are the different things uh that kind of led me also to really love the movie i would say and i guess when the tv show stopped airing i kind of started just rewatching the movie more and more the the movie itself has a lot of issues <laughs> as i'm sure people already know about like um it's super racist for one and i'm not really familiar with um the i guess the ethnicity the religion um the culture the heritage all of those things i'm not really as familiar with so i can't really touch on it in depth i do know that it it doesn't seem realistic to the people i have met in my life who do identify with the ethnicity, the religion, etc. And not saying that one person defines all people, because they definitely don't. Um, But just, you know, looking at it, and maybe I'll try and see if I can have one of them come on and talk about it. Um, Just because I'm I'm not personally aware. Uh, But it, it does seem very, very much like white people, or really just any other type of person was trying to depict this entire culture and religion off of the very little that they knew and I'm pretty sure actually that's probably it um I know that there's a a little or not little it's pretty um there's like a paragraph or something at the very beginning of the movie saying you know we understand that this is not you know accurate and that it's you know um depicting these characters and this culture in in negative maybe derogatory ways and you know this is how we're trying to combat it and another but um it is very hard to see that whole thing and to know if everyone is actually reading it which i guess is the big thing so um we know that the movie itself at least the first one also very heavily objectifies and sexualizes princess jasmine she is also the only female in the movie aside from like a villager who's like oh my baby or or whatever um so 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say about that, and I don't know if maybe that would be something to um, expand on and maybe have a whole episode about, but there's that. Um, Jasmine has literally no other females in her life, and the one thing I did like about the live action is she did have a handmaiden who is kind of like her best friend um, in some ways, but, you know, she had someone who she could talk to who... Uh, I would say could, but also could not relate to her. So, I mean, take that as you will. It's better than nothing. Um, I also think Jasmine mm, is the first and only Disney princess who kissed a villain, which I did find interesting. Um, I know kissing Jafar was really the only way to take his attention away, but it ended up failing. So, you know, it seemed kind of like that kiss was not worth it. And also, why would you choose that out of all things to do? I mean, as a child, I think it's kind of extreme to think that kissing the bad guy is your only option in that scenario. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But I, yeah, you can, yeah, whatever. And, um, oh, that I found interesting was so people say the creators say um, Aladdin identifies as Arabian and Genie identifies as Jewish and that is you know quote unquote um, in the movie if you watch the behind the scenes they do say they created Aladdin to be Arabian and I don't even know if that's even a right term to use and then they did create genie to be jewish and so um they do talk about in the behind the scenes about that relationship and um why i guess they specifically chose them to identify in those ways i don't really think it was necessarily something that everybody could or would have picked up on like i don't think it was like super obvious in some ways but again i don't identify with those identities so everything i say can be I guess pointless for the, about that. So, um, I saw it was an interesting to point out. Um, and obviously I don't really have much else to go off of because I need to read up on it. I need to meet people and talk to them about that, but also it's not their jobs to tell me about the things that I don't know. So, I mean, lots of back and forth. Um, the, the one thing that I always found really interesting about the movie Aladdin is Aladdin is probably the most able-bodied individual I've ever seen. He seems to be super in tune with his body, super agile. He is always barefoot but he's jumping from buildings, he's always landed on his feet, um, he's able to do all these flips and tricks and other, and maybe like Hercules does some of those things, but not in the same way. And so I always find that interesting, found it interesting that Aladdin is, you know, probably the most able-bodied individual I've ever seen. He does all these amazing things, and yet he doesn't have a job. And he's not at an age where he's too young to have one, presumably. If he's able to be in a relationship, 
and date and marry a princess, I think he would be able to try and apply for some kind of internship, apprenticeship, some kind of job. That's just my opinion. Um, I do know technically he did have a job in the TV show at one point. Um, it showed there's a episode about how Aladdin and Abu met. Um, Abu is the monkey. And I guess it kind of also defines why Aladdin always emphasizes that Abu is his friend and his best friend, not a pet. And so the episode was Abu was part of a circus that would go to cities and he his job was to pickpocket all the audience members. And one day they're in Agrabah, he tries to pickpocket Aladdin, but Aladdin catches him because Aladdin's also a thief. And then they go on this chase. The people of the circus tried to recruit Aladdin because they saw that Aladdin was able to keep up with Abu. And so then they kind of became friends through that experience. Um, there's also a part where um, they gave Aladdin his cut of the deal. And Aladdin gave, like, just upright gave half of that to Abu. And then as soon as he left the people who ran the circus took the money from Abu because they were like you're a monkey what are you supposed to do with this you can't do anything with money or blah 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 and um later Aladdin gave Abu this hat like from the fanciest silk or, or whatnot and like specially imported and that's the hat that Abu wears throughout the entire series um so I guess, in a sense, they have had a job before, but it obviously didn't work out because the circus people were bad guys, and I guess they decided not to have jobs and just to pickpocket from then on out? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I've never really seen Aladdin with a job. I know he was offered um, to be Jafar's replacement in The Return of Jafar. The Sultan asked him if he wanted to be the royal vizier, and Aladdin said no. Um, because I want to, you know, be out in the world. I want to travel the world. I want to go on adventures. And Jasmine's like, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Take me with you, please. Um, so yeah, that is, I guess, my brief memory of the Aladdin TV show and the sequels. Um, yeah, I guess to offset all the negatives the things I did like about Aladdin was Aladdin's personality for one and just the, his values in the world having grown up with no parents and with no friends aside from Abu who he met later in life um, and just I guess the outlook that he has on life which is not something that everybody does see or can see I should say um, I, I did like his confidence in who he was as a person and understanding himself, but also the fact that he was also self-conscious around Princess Jasmine initially, but then throughout the TV, sh TV show, you also see it again pop up when he is interacting with other royals and when he is preparing to be the next sultan. Um, there are episodes that do show, oh, you know, like... This is just a practice run. Everything will be, you know, great. You're totally cool. Like, Sultan and the princess are going to go out of town and you're going to be in charge of the entire kingdom. 
you know, no big deal. Um, so you do see, like, he gets nervous. He, um, is a little self-conscious in other things, even though he saved Agrabah, like, a million and one times, which, um, I think is really nice because you do see that he does have insecurities. He is a person. He has his faults and he knows what they are and he knows you know, ways that he needs to grow or change. And, and I do also like that he always puts Jasmine first. Um, and he always puts all his friends first. He puts Genie, Carpet, Abu, and even Iago first in everything that he does. And there are episodes also where, like, Genie and others are saying, you know, Aladdin, you really need to focus on your self-care. You need to, you know, stop worrying about us and let us take care of you. Um, so you do get to kind of see that side as well if you know if you watch the tv show if it's ever available to watch um i do know there are clips on youtube so you could probably start there um i also like that aladdin's ego doesn't seem to be bruised knowing that jasmine is the one with all the power and all the money um he doesn't seem to have that mindset that he has to make more money as the the man of the relationship so to speak and he also doesn't feel ashamed that he has no money because um, there are episodes where he is tries to get her um, different gifts or, or whatnot for an anniversary but he doesn't want to use her money and he emphasizes that and um, he you know tries to fundraise and other things to get what he wants out of life for her or for others which I thought was really really important and a really good value to have Okay, so now I want to go to talking about villains, and I'm going to rank them um, from the most, or I would say from the least villainous to the most villainous. And so I'm going to start with Sadira as the least villainous of the ones that I remember, only because she ends up being a hero at the end. And so the whole gist with Sadira is that she is a street rat, just like Aladdin was, and she somehow stumbles across this mystic scroll that gives her the ability to manipulate sand which they call a sand witch like the cackling i'm gonna get you and yeah um and i guess that's not really good to have that assumption but that's the general stereotype so she's able to manipulate the sands and what she wants more than anything is to be with aladdin and to have jasmine out of the picture but she does also emphasize that she doesn't want to kill Jasmine. She just wants Jasmine gone. She doesn't know how she wants Jasmine gone. She just wants Jasmine gone. Um, and so there's a few episodes with Sidira. There was another episode later where she used the sand to alter reality in a way. Where everybody believed that Aladdin was the prince. And Jasmine was the street rat instead of the other way around. And Sadira, or no, no, no. Sadira was the princess and Jasmine was the street rat. And Aladdin, I guess, was the street rat who became a prince. I don't know. Everything seemed the same. Everybody believed him except Raja the tiger, Abu the monkey, and Iago the parrot were not affected by the sand. So basically, any animal was not affected by the sand. So it was really Sidir versus the animals, and the animals trying to convince Jasmine that she's really a princess, and trying to have Aladdin and Jasmine run into each other, 
And when they did run into each other, it was love at first sight. Surprise! <laughs> um, and then they actually, I think they ended up kissing and it broke the sand spell. And then the last episode that I remember with Sidira, um, three, three sand witches came, like ancient ones, and they were obviously had more evil intentions than Sidira. And so in the end, Sidira kind of risked her life to save them by trapping the witches, and in doing so, the witches kind of grabbed her too, kind of like when Jafar was put in the lamp and dragged Iago with him. Oh, and actually, there was another episode with Sidira where Sidira actually became a good person right before this episode. So there was, um, Sidira was trying to live out her, her fairy tale with Aladdin by hypnotizing him to believe that he's Prince Charming and that she's a princess and he has to save her. And so it ended up going haywire. And I remember Jasmine ended up having to help Sidira, um, like let the whole plan, you know, fall into place where Aladdin defeats the dragon and, and then Aladdin kisses Sidira. She didn't like it, but it was the only way for him to um, break the spell on him. And then Sidira and Jasmine ended up walking away and being like, let's go shopping together and let's have girl time and let's just be friends because I don't know why we never were to begin with. And then that led to the three witches and they were framing Sidira to make it seem like she was a villain again. And then to prove herself, she sacrificed herself. That's what happened. Okay back on the same page. Not that, um, I guess there's any proof whether or not I'm correct or not. Anywho, so that's why I have Sidira as, as the least villainous because she never wanted to kill anybody or hurt anybody. She just wanted to be with Aladdin. And there's a lot of people who want to be with different people and can't because of various different reasons. They're not, you know, necessarily villainous. Um, so I guess that leads me to the next one, which I think, um, I guess there's kind of two and they've actually worked together. So one is Mechanicles and I find Mechanicles quite a humorous villain, not that he's trying to be, but essentially Mechanicles is very into creating robots and, um, using them for destruction oil, etc. But he's also a um an OCD. Yeah, I would say he's OCD and he is really into clean cleanliness and organization. And and technically when you're looking at him and his plans and what he wants to do, yeah, yeah, he's actually probably more villainous than number 2 or than being number 2 on my list. But the fact that he's so easy to overcome is what I think makes him not as villainous. Most of the time that I remember with Mechanicles, he has these big machines and they leak oil or whatever, and Aladdin and Abu would just rub oil all over his workshop, or like spread oil all over his workshop, all over his clothes, and he would freak out, like immensely flip out to the point that you kind of just defeated him then and there by just soiling his favorite tunic and so for that specific reason um because his machines do i would say do create a lot of grease a lot of oil and so it is a, i would say a lot easier to make a mess of things 
which it's kind of funny that he, he that's exactly what he wants to do to kingdoms and towns but not to his own workspace um so in a sense he's really easy to overcome and to um defeat i guess if you use the word but also in instances i guess where um you're face to face with him he d- i don't think he really knows how to fight or use hand-to-hand combat or anything so just by standing next to each other a lot is way more capable than he is at winning um i guess anything really like a a battle of wits or um hand-to-hand combat or getting out of a sticky or oily situation so that's why mechanically this is number two for me number three which is a close number three is abis mall and his i say assistant lately his assistant harud Abbas Mall is just not the smartest bulb, and I think, I'm, I'm assuming it's just for comedic relief or something. Um, Harut is the much more serious, the one who comes up with all the ideas, the one who's kind of in charge, and it, it's, I guess it's interesting because Harut will say, why don't we try this, or why don't you say that, or why don't you do this, and then Abbas Mall does, or says exactly that, and that's kind of how he's in charge I guess is because he steals literally everything that Haru tells him or tells him to do and yeah so really I guess Haru would be in charge but maybe he doesn't want to be blamed for things if things go wrong which they always do I don't know and yeah and Abbas Mall and Mechanicallys have worked together before I don't remember if Haru was there or not and I remember when they did, they had these little bugs. So Abbas Mall stole these mood stones and Mechanicallys had built these tiny miniature beetles or something, mechanical beetles. And they purposely set a trap for Aladdin and everybody else where they could plant these different mood stones and bugs on each of them so that they would essentially destroy each other. And I remember it was very interesting so like Jasmine was Jasmine had like envy or jealousy so she was like envious and jealous of everything like why do you get to fly how come you get to crawl like I don't you know how come you get to fly why can't I fly like all these things um I think Abu had like laughed was like always happy and laughing I think Yaga was sad or something I don't remember all of them Um, But I do remember Aladdin specifically because I thought it was really interesting. So they purposely, so they were kind of like, oh, we can give whoever, whichever. But with Aladdin, we have to give him this mood stone, which was um, the cowardice mood stone. So essentially, instead of being brave and courageous, Aladdin was afraid of everything. Like, oh, I can't jump from this, you know, one foot height. I can't jump off this box. It's too scary. Um... And it was really interesting because obviously Aladdin is the exact opposite and you kind of wonder why but I guess living on the streets and stealing to survive and other you kind of don't really care about those things anymore and you'll kind of risk whatever because you're already I would say running out of time and food and other things. So I always thought that was interesting and then the other interesting part about that particular episode was that Aladdin knew 
Aladdin was the only one who knew that he was being controlled with some kind of mood, emotion thing. Because he, I remember he kept saying, like, it's not real. I'm not really afraid. Um, this is all just some big hoax or something like that. And he kept saying it over and over until he believed it to be true. And then the mood stone actually broke. And I thought that was really interesting because none of the other characters knew that. They just thought that that was who they were. They didn't know that they were being, like, manipulated to believe or feel those things. So I thought that was really interesting that Aladdin was able to pick up on that. I guess that is maybe partially what makes him the diamond in the rough. You know? Um, so then the next one would be Celine. And I guess, I don't know if Celine would necessarily be this high up, but I think because of her manipulation, she could be or should be. So Celine is a redheaded mermaid not ariel from the little mermaid and she actually makes that joke which i think is kind of funny and she she believes that she is all high and mighty and that she can have any man or anything that she wants so she traps jasmine underwater gives jasmine the ability to breathe underwater which is nice and then goes and essentially tries to woo aladdin with jasmine not there and by woo, I mean fling herself all over Aladdin in hopes that he'll like her. Which I guess worked for everybody else. But um, Aladdin is very much that I'm your friend. Here is my friend boundary wall that I am putting up between us. And I just met you and I'm trying to find my fiance, Jasmine, because we got into a fight and I haven't seen her since. Um, and all these other things. I guess which is another reason why I also like Aladdin, not to add to my already big list and so at the end of the episode Aladdin and Jasmine do almost catch her they get her in a net but then they slip or something and so she escapes and then there's another episode later where she comes back and she turns Aladdin into a shark and the longer he is a shark the more he becomes a shark and loses his humanity and so I don't think Jasmine was in that episode but I do remember Jeannie and Iago kind of being like you know do we send him to Celine so she can fix him or not fix him but change him back or do we keep him and he just stays a shark forever like what do we do um so I do remember that and then obviously he does end up turning back into a person um I guess just with her sheer willingness to go to whatever it takes to get him and the fact that she keeps thinking about him too was interesting um I guess that puts her a little bit ahead and also because the other mechanicallys in Abba's Mall are not necessarily the brightest bulbs and they're they're definitely easier to defeat than Selene is, I would say. Just because, you know, she can breathe underwater and she has all these, um, I would say extra, or maybe not extra, but other abilities. And then the next one would be Mosenrath. And Mosenrath is essentially a young sorcerer. I think he sold his life, or not his life, well maybe his life or soul, to get this gauntlet that ha holds all of his magic essentially. And so without this glove, he pretty much is nothing. Um, so I guess with the glove, he would be ranked next. Without the glove, he'd probably be a bit lower on the list. And I do remember that without the glove on, he has a skeleton hand 
like no skin no muscles just bone which is kind of creepy um but he is in a lot of episodes all of his episodes involve magic in some way shape or form a lot of the time it's him stealing i shouldn't even say stealing kidnapping genie um sometimes to devour his magic other times for other reasons but mostly to steal the magic from the genie and use it for himself um, I think there was an episode where he kidnapped Jeannie's girlfriend, Eden, and there was a couple other episodes. There's one where he had a wind demon who could destroy everything in a second. There was an episode where he kidnapped, there's, there's multiple episodes where he kidnapped Aladdin. Um, one of them specifically to essentially switch physical bodies because his physical body was dying. So he wanted to switch bodies with Aladdin because Aladdin was probably like the most ideal candidate because Aladdin is so like agile and fit and you know other and then it didn't go well so it was really an internal struggle with both of them in Aladdin fighting for dominance and let's see um, there's a couple episodes where Mosenrath was purposely trying to test Aladdin to see if Aladdin would be a good fit to use as a sacrifice of sorts for other reasons i guess there's that um yeah but i i guess most of the time it's either kidnapping aladdin or genie for various different reasons um to either use or steal from them there was also one time i remember where there was like a big battle sequence and they were all fighting mosenrath and mosenrath turned jasmine into stone yeah I don't remember why or how, but yeah, I remember that part. I think it was in a teaser or something. And then um, the top of my list as the most villainous is Mirage. Mirage is this cat-looking woman. And I put her at the top of the list because, I mean, she didn't terrify me as a child. But she did kind of creep me out a little bit. Um, not enough to not watch her. <laughs> But enough where I will definitely remember her probably forever. And so she has a very feminine figure, but she has a cat face. And the first episode, she had fire cats who would literally grow if they ate your fear. And then there was an actual episode about Aladdin's childhood friend being or disappearing. And then seeing him as an adult, or when they're both adults, I guess, young adults. And she was behind it, and you had found out that she was a child, um, a, a child human trafficker, essentially. Yeah, that's basically what she was. Um, she would traffic the kids of Agrabah to be these, like, night monsters demons or other so that they could live forever so she was basically convincing them like hey if you come with me you'll be able to live forever and you'll be super strong and blah 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 but in order to complete this cycle so that you are you have to go through this portal you i think they had to kill someone um and so it was really like aladdin following this boy who was taken and trying to help him you know be a better person not you know want to go to mirage and not be on the dark side and and then when he found out, I think, that he had to go through a portal or be killed or, or kill someone or other, he didn't want to. And she was like, okay, well, then you'll just die. And, oh, well, I didn't tell you that. But, you know, 
telling you now. Um, so there's that. There was another episode where she pretended to be somebody in the marketplace and she gave Jasmine this bottle of lotion saying, you'll be so beautiful, no wrinkles. You'll be, you know, the, the light of Aladdin's eye because he didn't already see her that way. And really it turned her into a snake. And so then Raj was like, you know, you gotta choose Aladdin. Do you want to be with a snake forever or do you want to be, um, single or I don't, I don't remember. And then Aladdin chose to be a snake with Jasmine. He put the lotion on, turned into a snake and we like, we can be snakes together. It'll be fine. Uh, which was, it was kind of cute. And oh my gosh, there's so many episodes with Mirage now that I'm thinking about it. There was another one where she brought Chaos, who I think is a cat who likes to create chaos. And in that process, Chaos made an evil version of Aladdin. And because he made an evil version of Aladdin with a lamp, it also made an evil version of Genie that was wreaking havoc. And everyone was like, Aladdin, why are you doing this? And you can obviously tell that it doesn't look like Aladdin, but it does. Um, and they were able to defeat him because Jasmine said, oh, hey, Mirage, don't you lead a really boring average life? There's no chaos in your life. And she goes, shut up. And, and then she ends up leaving because chaos decides to follow her and create chaos in her life. Um, she also lives in outer space. Um, somewhere in outer space, there's this giant rock that's kind of like an Egyptian pyramid or something, but in space. And she lives in there, which is also interesting. Um, and, and there's a few other episodes with her in it, but I, yeah, it's solely because she was a child human trafficker. I am putting her at the top of my list. Um, but I guess she didn't really get any payment out of it, but still like that was her pride and joy. So she's at the top of my list. Um, so I don't know if any of you had heard of those villains before, uh, if any of you have seen the TV show, but if it ever pops up definitely worth a watch I think um sometimes you rewatch shows from your childhood and you're like oh cringeworthy and um like so cheesy or whatnot but I didn't really think of that with the Aladdin tv show I mean I guess I haven't really rewatched it as an adult but yeah I would say it doesn't seem like it is but I mean I guess that's what we say about all of our favorite shows right so at least for me, definitely huge wave of nostalgia. I watched it every morning before I went to school. And um, hopefully someday the TV show will be available and I could do a more in-depth um, analysis of particular villains. But until then, we'll just have to deal with this. And um, if you want to see more of my work, you can check out wonderfulworldofdisneyvillains.com which is my blog. I'm also on Instagram now. Um, if you go to at www.ofdisvillains, um, which is just the hyphenated or shortened version of Wonderful World of Disney Villains. When you have a moment, feel free to check it out. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.